listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I want to deal with something today that I was really praying about, thinking about. If you got further faster and you've started to read it at all, if you came to the fifth chapter, you would see that the fifth chapter of the book is actually called Don't Be a Bastard. (laughs) That's the name of the chapter. Don't be a bastard. And um, I'm going to take this um, thought process today because one of the things we're seeing in America and around the world truly is I would consider to be a generation of fatherless people. People don't recognize. I was looking at this today. There were two men who were discussing um, the biggest problem in our communities. And the question was this, is the biggest problem moving forward in our communities, even especially communities of color, is it racism or is it fatherlessness? And the unanimous answer was fatherlessness is the biggest problem moving forward, not racism, but fatherlessness. And I'm going to show you this in the word of God, the, the importance of having an actual father, I'm speaking to parents today, and what it means to have a spiritual father, extremely important. You know, impartation is real, man. It's real. That's why I took the time and I've been telling people that I believe this is the most important revelation that God has ever allowed me to release because people don't understand how important impartation is. And can I tell you, even if you're not a minister, preacher, every father, natural father, imparts to their children. Every natural father imparts to their children. You know, if you've ever heard somebody use the term, and it's it's a very sad thing, but if you've ever heard somebody use the term regarding a, a woman or a girl and say, well, she's got daddy issues. If you've ever heard that, throw a hand up in the comments if you've ever heard that term. She's got daddy issues. Well, all that means is that there was something in her upbringing, maybe with the absence of a father or a father that didn't love or treat her right, that now something has happened to her life that manifests in the outward realm. Look at the hands. People people have heard that. Of course, it's a common phrase. But something happens that changes your life, changes your needs, changes your wants, and it actually affects your entire life. Well, what is that? It's either the lack of impartation from a father or the lack of a father at all. And I tell you, I'm telling you this because it's extremely important in our generation. One of the largest problems that there is, is fatherlessness. I promise you that. I promise you that. They t- I mean, you look at the statistics, you look at the statistics of how many men who now identify as homosexual men grew up in a single parent home with just the mother in the home. It's a massive majority, a massive majority. The devil hates fathers. I want you to hear this because it's, it's so important. The devil hates fathers. He doesn't just hate spiritual fathers. He hates actual fathers. He doesn't want fathers staying in the homes and raising up strong children into strong adults that serve the Lord. I look at my responsibility as a father and understand it's a spiritual position that God has given to every man who's blessed to have children. That's why it's such a demonic thing when you've got men that are just running around impregnating women and then leaving and leaving the woman and leaving the children, just running around, acting wild. That's such a demonic thing to ensure those kids will grow up with no father in the home. And that means a lack of impartation. Think about this. 
a lack of impartation in that life that leads to all kinds of things. And I'm not saying that it's a sure thing that somebody fails if they don't have a father. There's many people who grew up fatherless, but Christ came into their life. And then because of their relationship with Christ, all things work together for good and they're victorious today because of the power of Christ in their life. But understand, if you don't have the Holy Ghost, if you don't have Jesus, and you have to live in a position where you weren't loved, respected, or even didn't have a father at all, it causes damage. And that's why I'm speaking to uh, uh, not just parents, but men today. More than ever, fathers are needed in America. What you're seeing happen right now, a generation of bastards. In the pulpits, we have a generation of bastards that don't want to submit to anybody, that don't want a spiritual father, that don't want to submit to spiritual authority. All they want is to do their own thing. Nobody can tell me what to do. Nobody can, I, I'm my own person, I answer to me. It's, bast, it's bastardry, in the, even in the pulpits. You can't tell them. And so they're isolated, they're islands under themselves, and God never expected it to be that way. Never planned for it to be that way. And so... I want to show you this because there is a problem in America that we're seeing. And uh, if you have your Bible, I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Now, I want to show you something today, the importance of impartation and spiritual impartation. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 <clears throat> Paul is writing this letter as a corrective letter. This letter to the Corinthians is full, not just of admonishment, of correction. They were a very immature church. And he had to correct them on all kinds of things. All kinds of things. They were doing crazy stuff. Crazy stuff and calling themselves Christians. He had to rebuke them. He had to pull them back into line. But notice what he says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. The Bible says in verse 14, he now starts to explain himself. He says, I don't write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. So understand something. First of all, a good father, a good parent corrects their children. A good parent corrects their children. If the devil can get you to hate correction, you're in trouble. Catch this right off the bat. If the devil can get you to hate correction, you are in massive trouble. A humble heart, a meek heart, actually seeks out correction. You know that. Seeks out correction. There are people who love correction. That's a wise person. Because remember this, and I want you to put it into the comments section today. Correction is just direction. Remember this, put it in the comments. Every person, this is so vital to us. Correction is just direction. So vital that we get this. And stupid people, foolish people hate correction. Wise people love it and seek it out. Correction is just direction. That's all it is. And see, I'll give you a natural example so you can understand what I mean. If you've ever used Google Maps or you know any app that gives you directions, notice this. Um, that app, Google Maps, whatever else you might use, every time there's a change in the directions, that's a course correction, isn't it? It's a course correction. So if I want to head somewhere and I'm on that road, I'm going in one direction. Well, coming up, there's going to be a place where I have to make a left turn. And you hear that thing speak to you. In 500 feet, turn left. And so what's it doing? It's correcting your path. If you want to get to the desired place, your path has to be corrected. I could just yell at the, the, the phone if I wanted to 
and say, you don't know me. You can't tell me nothing. You don't know where I've been. You've never walked a mile in my shoes. You better shut up. You can yell at you if you want at Siri. You can yell at Google Maps. You can yell at Google Assistant. Tell it to shut up. You don't know where I'm trying to go. You don't. But understand what happens. It's correcting your course so that it can quickly get you to your destination. That's the point. It's correcting your course so that it can quickly get you to your destination. Because true correction comes out of love. You see that? True correction, good correction, comes out of love. We don't want to see people fail. You know, if my son looked at me and thought that I spanked him because I hate him, he doesn't understand me. I don't correct my children because I don't like them. I don't even correct my children because I'm mad at them. I'll sit down with them on the bed and we'll talk. We'll talk. Do you realize what's going on right now? Do you realize why daddy has to come here? I'll ask my children. I'll say, do you realize? And they're young and I'll still tell them. I said, do you realize God wants daddy to be a good daddy to you? Yes. I said, do you realize that the Bible tells me to correct my children if they are? Do you realize that? I said, do you want me to make Jesus sad? Do you want me to be the kind of dad that lets you just do whatever you want to do and Jesus is upset with our life because I don't correct you and you don't obey your parents and the Lord? Is that the kind of family? See, I don't just get all straight, get in my bedroom and freak out. I want them to understand something. I'm doing this because we first have to please the Lord with our lives and the Bible lays out a reason that we do have correction. Now, I know and you know that if you let a kid grow up and just do whatever they want, they'll become rebellious. They'll become wild. You can't corral a child like that. And, and, and you, they grow up and then they become adults. <laughs> and then the, as adults, they're crazy. They're crazy because no one's ever told them no. No one's ever corrected them. No one's ever said, sit down and be quiet. And so you got people that grow up with no fathers, no correction. They got, and what, what happens? Then they grow up to be wild people, unrestrained, doing whatever they want. And it ends in destruction. It ends in destruction. Hmm. And so I want you to catch this with me today. Hey, Danielle. I want you to catch this with me today because it's so very important. If you've got a fatherless generation that's running around with no correction, acting wild, doing their own thing, it's going to end in destruction. It will always end in destruction. A, a, a generation of bastards. not And so they're running around with no correction, no ability to be, be reined in. And correction is direction. So if I want to get to the desired end, there's got to be correction. You understand that? There always has to be correction. It's just a course correction. If I'm going down this path and I know to get where I'm going to go, I got to turn left. I can't continue on the way I'm going and successfully reach my destination. I can't continue the way that I'm going and successfully reach my destination. I can't do it. I need course correction. You know, it's like, if that's why people, that's why people who work out many times, they'll hire a trainer because the trainer actually has knowledge that you don't have, has wisdom you don't have, has been taught things you've never been taught. And you might get out there and start trying to do some sort of an exercise in the gym, but your technique is all over the place. And you can get frustrated and say, man, I've been working out for a month and I'm not seeing any change in that area. But then you hire a trainer. And what do they do? They watch you first. They say, well, do what you've been doing. And they watch you. And they immediately recognize, well, the reason you're not growing is because your technique is all wrong. You can't, you know, if you're trying to grow your biceps and you're doing curls, you can't swing your back and be swinging them. You have to actually isolate that muscle. So what does the trainer do? Corrects your technique, the way you've been doing things. See, corrects it and says, if you'll just make this correction, no, stop what you're doing and do it this way. The trainer doesn't do it because he's mad at you. He doesn't do it because he hates you. He does it because he's trying to help you and you're probably paying him to help you. And so what's he doing? He's going to show you what's right over what's wrong. What's wrong will leave you in frustration. What's right will bring you growth. You see that? 
What's wrong will leave you in frustration. What's right will lead you into growth. And the reason we haven't had people in a generation grow into what's right is because nobody's corrected them. Nobody has told them what they must do. People just running wild. We were at the store the other day and a little girl in a little tutu was screaming and yelling at her mother to buy her something in the checkout line. Well, first of all, my wife and I can hardly even, I can't even fathom that. I can't imagine screaming and yelling at my mom or dad as a kid. I'd be in heaven. I'd be a, I'd be a, a spiritual ghost preaching to you today. But then the girl, then the mother leaned down and said, now, baby, I told you we're not getting that today. And the little girl hauled off and slapped her mom across the face so hard. You know, that shakes you. As an adult, it just gives you flashbacks into your past. Like, oh my God, you start interceding for the little girl's life. And the mom did nothing. Girl just slapped the fire out of her mom's face and their mom did nothing. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about in our generation where you've got people that are completely and totally rebellious, will not accept correction, will not accept rebuke, do, do whatever they want, and then everything we think everything's going to be cool and everything's going to be fine. Let me tell you something. It won't be cool and it won't be fine. You've got to have a voice of authority in your life, a voice of direction in your life. If you don't have it, you'll end in destruction. You'll end in destruction. Listen to this. So Paul writes and says in the 15th, 14th verse, I'm not writing you these things to uh, make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. Now look at verse 15, 1 Corinthians 4, 15. He said, for, for though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Now look at verse 16, because here's the, here's the key. So I urge you then, be imitators of me. Huh. Be imitators of me. Be imitators of who? Imitators of your father. So here's the key that I want you to get today. Yeah, I know, Stephanie. Stephanie said that would have been my last day living. You better believe it. <laughs> Daniel said, I've literally had to leave the store to keep from spanking someone else's kid. It's insane. What You go to the mall and people have their kids on leashes, on leashes. That to me is mind blowing. Your kid is on a leash like a dog, a dog. I mean, it's like your kid is so wild of an animal that you got to keep your kid on a leash. If your kid gets off the leash, is it going to bite me? <laughs> is your kid going to run over and bite me? I mean, what's going on? That's right. Treating the children like dogs. That's because there's no correction. There's no correction. No, nobody, nobody's standing up with a, a, a voice of authority and a voice of correction. There needs to be correction and direction in the life of every child. And see, what we're seeing today is we're seeing people that have grown up with no correction, grown up with no direction, been allowed to do whatever they want, and now there's chaos everywhere you look because nobody has guided anybody. You see what I mean? And Paul said this, I'm writing you to rebuke you because you've got a lot of guides, but you don't have many fathers, but I'm your father. I became your father through the gospel, and now as your father, I'm correcting you. Not so you sit around and be ashamed, so that you change for the better. See, Paul's telling him this. He said, listen, I'm your father, and that's why I'm correcting you. I'm molding you into what God wants you to be. So be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. See, that's 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. Follow me as I follow Christ. Here, he says, so... I urge you then, be imitators of me. Watch me and do what I do. Watch me and do what I do. See, that's the key. You look at a child and we get irritated because our kids don't do what we say, but you know what they do? They do what they see us doing. 
We're creating. See, I'm realizing this more and more and more. We are creating copies of ourselves. You notice that? It's not a coincidence that people say, man, you're just like your dad. You're just like your mom. Of course they are. Why? Because they're, they're becoming copies of what, you see? They're becoming copies of what they see and hear on a daily basis. Copies of what they see and hear on a daily basis. So look, here's something to show you. If I want my kids to be kids that read the word, I better be someone who reads the word. Oh man, I wish this generation catch this. If I want my kids to be people who read the word, I better be somebody. My wife better be somebody who reads the word. You see, if I want my kids to be people of prayer, I better be a person of prayer. My wife better be a person of prayer if we want to see our kids be people of prayer. So I've told my kids to pray and they just won't pray. Do they ever see you praying? I want my kids to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Do they ever see you speaking in tongues and putting value on the Holy Ghost? Well, I just want my kids to grow up to be faithful to church. Well, then you can't attend church one out of every five weeks. I just want my kids to know that church is important. Then stop treating church like it's unimportant. So you can't, you can't expect your kids to do something different than what you've taught them to do by your own actions. So well, I want my kids to be church people. Well, if you go to church once every month or once every five weeks, like the statistics said, you know what your kids are going to do? They're going to grow up with that routine. And then when they get old and make their own decisions, they're going to say, you know, we never really went to church that much when I was growing up. So I, I don't even know. My parents didn't really think it was that important. So I don't, I'm not going to really go to church. You know why? Unless the Holy Ghost shakes them and they get in, they have an encounter with God for themselves. But in the natural, in the natural, they're just going to repeat what they saw you to do. You know, let me tell you something else that I've learned. What one generation tolerates, the next generation celebrates. If we just allow something to stay around, the next generation will go deep in it. See, so, well, I, I don't ever, I don't ever get, but see, the thing is, if you don't want your kids to be drinkers, don't drink. Well, I don't want my kids going out and getting drunk. Well, why are you drinking in the house in front of them? Well, you know, I know how to do it in moderation. I come home, there's just, there's just days that I come home and need a Jack and Coke when I get back home from work. If you don't want your kids to be drinkers, don't have anything to do with drink. Alcohol, keep it out of your house. Don't be, sh you know, well, kids, it was a rough day. Daddy need, you know, this is, no, this is mommy juice. You can't have mommy juice. Don't, don't have it. If you don't want your kids to be involved in it, don't you be involved in it. If you don't want your kids to be gossips, don't gossip in front of them. And don't gossip at all. See what I mean? Because what's happening is you, they're not going to do what you say. They're going to do what you do. They are carbon copies. You are imparting to them. You're imparting to them action after action after action after action. And they're just watching, watching, watching. I've, I've seen my son pick up stuff and be like, where in the world? How did he get that? Where did he hear that? And you start to realize they're little sponges. They're little sponges soaking up impartation from you. Doesn't matter if you're a single mother or not. What I'm telling you is they're soaking it up from you. If you are a single mother, don't go around and let your daughters and sons hear you saying, well, you know, you can't trust men. You know, men, men are dogs. You can't get a man to do, act right. You know, men are crazy. Men will just leave you high and dry. You know, men ain't no good. And that's what happened all through America. Single mother generation and, and just get around with their other girlfriends and get around grandma and, and mom and the kids. You know what they grow up hearing? Men aren't good. And then you wonder why, if, uh, um, you wonder why the masculinity of a generation has been clipped in half. Because you had young boys growing up hearing mom and grandma say, well, you know, men ain't no good and men ain't no, and there's no male influence in your life. And all you hear is it's better to be feminine than it is to be masculine because masculinity is wrong. Masculinity is bad. Men are bad. Men are wicked. Men are dogs. I don't want to be like them. I want to be like mom and grandma. And you wonder why 
that there's a whole generation. It's a demonic thing. It's the devil coming against our generation. Amen. You wonder, I don't, I don't know. I don't know why my kids are acting like that. They're sponges. They're soaking up everything that you release from your life. That's why God's given us such a great and a, a high. This you should look at your ability to parent as a high calling. It's a high calling. Imagine the importance God has placed those lives in your hands to raise them up in the way they should go so that when they're old, they will not depart from it. Hallelujah. Raise them up. And there's been many phenomenal single mothers that have raised their children in the things of God, in the things of Christ. So I'm not knocking single mothers. Many of them have paid the price. Many of them worked two and three jobs to make ends meet and done everything necessary to raise those kids in the Lord. But shame on the fathers. There's my friend, Pastor Aaron Butler. I love you, buddy. Shame on the fathers who have not stayed around. Shame on the fathers that are just living for them, not living for the, the wives and for the children that should have had the impartation of a father in their life, but instead they left and to go do their own thing. Selfish living that's raised up a generation of people with no correction, no direction. And we wonder why people run into chaos and destruction. And Paul said it clearly, you have many guides, but you don't have many fathers. But I became your father. I became your father. So I want you to understand this. It's a blessing to have the opportunity to be a godly parent. I believe you'll have it, Aaron. I want you to see this because this stirred me up as I began to study it out for myself. When you have impartation, it makes you different. It makes you different than everybody else. There's a difference between what Paul had and what the seven sons of Sceva had in Acts 19. They came up on a demon-possessed man and commanded the demon to come out of the man. And the demon looked them up and down, seven guys, and said, now hold on. Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. But who are you? The question in this generation is, who are you? Who are you? What authority do you have? What authority have you submitted to? You see what I mean? And this is where the power comes. Impartation is God's system of promotion in the kingdom of God. It's his system of promotion. Submission to authority brings authority. You can't be AWOL. You can't be running out rogue and not submitted and think you're going to have any kind of authority. It's delegated. Authority is delegated, just like in the military. It's delegated from the top to the bottom. And so you can't say, well, I'm not going to, I'm never going to submit to anybody. I'm my own person and think you're going to carry any kind of spiritual authority. It doesn't work that way. Doesn't work that way. And I want you to see this because this stirred me so much when I saw this, what God was speaking. Paul is in prison and writes a letter to Philemon. You can read Paul's letter to Philemon. It's true, Pastor Aaron said. It's what I see lacking today as a pastor, people lacking authority in Christ. It's absolutely what they're lacking. I preached all last night on who you are in Christ, your position in the kingdom, ambassadors of Christ, standing up in your authority, knowing that wherever your foot treads, you have dominion, that you're not a victim of the devil. You're seated in heavenly places far above all principalities. But see, until, unless people are told, unless people are taught, unless people are imparted to, see, they don't have it. And it comes, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We have to be those that are imparting to the next generation. They can't slip through. We can't let, we can't let people just slip through this generation without knowing. That's why we got to go after a next generation and tell them it's not too late. You can be reconciled to God. You can carry power. You don't have to live in brokenness and you don't have to live in hurt. You don't have to live in the, in the pain of the past. Come into the kingdom and old things are passed away. And behold, all things have become new. All things have become new. And so Paul wrote a letter to Philemon on behalf of a, a man named Onesimus. 
And he said to him, he said, I, and this is the 10th verse. He said, I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. And so he's writing back. Now, Onesimus used to be someone that worked with Philemon, but he left him. And I love this. He said, he left you and he came to me. I became his father while I was in prison. And I want to show you what impartation and fathership does to somebody. It's amazing where it can take you and where it can bring you. Look at this. He said in the, the 11th verse, formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. That's Philemon chapter one, verse 11. He used to be useless to you, but now he's useful to you and to me. So he was appealing for Philemon to take Onesimus back, take him back because he's, he's in a different position now. I want you to see it. He's in a, he used to be use, useless. He's not useless anymore. Why? Because when you have a father speaking, spiritual father, see, he wasn't, Onesimus wasn't Paul's actual child. He was his spiritual son. And he said, I became his father when I was in prison. And now through my impartation, he's gone from useless to useful. Impartation takes you from useless to useful. Hallelujah. Takes you from useless to useful. Useless to useful. Useless to useful. I want you to catch this. Changes your effectiveness in the body of Christ changes your ability in the body of Christ. When you receive that impartation, it takes you from a person that is useless to useful. Hallelujah. And look, Paul's impartation as a spiritual father changed Onesimus' life. Do you realize Paul changed many people, but think of the ones that he changed like this. Timothy was another. Timothy was Paul's son in the gospel wrote him two letters, but I love this because Timothy seemed to have an issue where he thought he was too young to minister to his congregation. Well, there's obviously older people in my congregation and I, I feel like they'll look at me like, who's this guy telling me how to live my life? And Paul wrote him a letter and rebuked him for that thought process and said, don't let anybody despise your youth. Preach to all, correct all, rebuke all. He said, and don't forget don't forget the gift that came into you through the laying on of my hands. God's not giving you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. What was he doing? He was encouraging Timothy, don't let anybody despise your youth. Don't think you're, you're less effective or less important in the kingdom because of your age. It's not age that determines your importance in the kingdom. It's impartation. Hallelujah. I want you to put it in the comments. Impartation, not age, determines your usefulness in the kingdom. I see that my friend, Pastor Aaron Butler, is still on. He and I are about the same age. About the same age. We're, I don't know if he's hit 40 yet. I haven't hit 40 yet. But he's not 70. He's not 75. But just because he's not 70 doesn't mean that he's not doing great things for the kingdom. See, because it's not age that determines how useful and how effective you are. It's impartation that determines that. And I know Pastor Aaron, and he, his father's a pastor. And of course, he he's, comes from a ministry family, sat under other, other powerful men of God, and received impartation after impartation, same as I have. I had Joel Stockstill write the forward to this book. He's a fourth-generation minister. It's impartation after impartation. You don't, Pastor Aaron doesn't have to be 70 years old to be effective in the kingdom. I don't have to be 75 before I can start making a powerful change in the world. It's not age that makes you powerful. It's impartation that makes you powerful. It's what you receive from your spiritual fathers. It's like, I'm, I'm humble enough, I'm meek enough to know I don't have all the answers. So impart to me, lay hands on me, give to me what you have. Let my mind be open, let my spirit be open to what God has for my life and ministry. Has nothing to do with age. If it did, how, did, how in the world did God use Timothy as a young man? It's not about age. 
It's not about age. It's about faithfulness and it's dedication and it's about impartation. I've met, I've seen pastors that are older that are not doing as much as some pastors I've seen that are, that are much younger. Why? It's not about age. It's about faithfulness, dedication, and impartation. You see? So don't, let, don't ever let your age. And then it goes the opposite direction. There's people that hear this kind of preaching and say, well, I wish I was still in my prime. I wish I was still young so I could be doing stuff like that for the Lord. Being old doesn't mean you're done. I think of the story of Caleb <laughs> where they had spied out the promised land, come back, nobody believed his report or Joshua's report. And he had to wait 45 years to come into the promise. And he said, though I'm 85 today, I am stronger today than when I was 40. What was he saying? I'm not too old to take the promise. I'm 85, but I'm stronger now than when I was a young man. I'm still ready to take a sword. I'm still ready to fight my fight. Don't ever let the devil tell you you're too old or you've passed your prime. I tell people this, and I want you to write it in the comments. If you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you can never be past your prime. Hallelujah. If you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you can never be past your prime. That's a word for somebody today. If you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you can never be past your prime. How can you be, how can you be in a place where you're past your prime when you're filled with a life-giving spirit that raised Jesus from the dead? How can you be past your prime when you're filled with that same substance that caused the blind to see and the deaf to hear, caused uh, the lame to walk and lepers to be cleansed? That same life-giving power dwells on the inside of your body, which is the temple of the Holy Ghost. How in the world can you be past your prime when you've got that kind of a substance flowing through your body on a daily basis? You can't be. Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Mike Lavalley said, Moses. Moses lived till he was 120 years old. And the Bible says his eyesight never dimmed and his strength never abated or diminished. He was strong when he died. He could see when he died at 120 years old. You don't have to get old and sick and weak and die. You can, you can get stronger and stronger and just give up the ghost when you're done running your race. Hallelujah. You don't have to be, you know, you're not past your prime. Let me encourage anybody that's watching today that thought, the, that thought the best days were behind you. The best days are the rest of your days. The best days are the rest of your days. Because in the kingdom, the principle is never-ending increase. In the kingdom, God has a plan for you to experience never-ending increase. I keep this in front of your face so often. Because I want you to know and understand that you have a plan from God to continue to grow until Jesus comes or until you pass away. The Bible says in Proverbs 4 and verse 18, the path of the just is a shining light that shines ever brighter until the perfect day. So understand something, my path continues to get brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. Tomorrow is going to be greater than today. Next week's going to be greater than this week. Next month's going to be greater than this month. Next year's going to be greater than this year. And I'm telling you, get ready. Because the best things that you've ever seen come to pass have not even happened yet. You might have some big miracles from your past. You got God may have done some big things in your life in the past. But let me encourage you. You've not even begun to see the best days yet. You've not even begun to see the best of what God has because he saves the best for last. God always saves the best for last. Thank you, Jesus. God always saves the best for last. Look at this. When Paul was dealing with Timothy, in the Greek, I always thought this was interesting, in the Greek language, when Paul refers to Timothy as his son, the son that he's referring to, there's actually two different Greek words for son. And the first one is huios. And that Greek word is a son that you would give birth to. It would actually be like your blood son, huios. But that's not the Greek word 
that Paul uses when he refers to Timothy as his son. He uses the word technon. And in the Greek language, the word technon does not mean a blood son, but it means, if you will, more of like a metaphorical, a spiritual son. It's actually like the picture of like a teacher and a pupil. It's like impartation, a teacher and a pupil. And Paul calls Timothy his technon. We know that Timothy wasn't his natural son, but that doesn't mean Paul could not rise to the position of father in the life of Timothy. And he did. And he became his father and Timothy received impartation from Paul. This is powerful, man. Because catch this, Paul said, I delivered unto you an impartation of spiritual gifts when I laid my hands upon you. You catch that? When I laid my hands upon you, spiritual gifts went into your spirit. He had to tell him this because he was in a place where he was in fear. He was nervous. Some would say he was nervous about having to do the spiritual work he'd been called to do with those that were older in the congregation. But Paul had to remind him, remember this, you're my spiritual son. I've delivered to you gifts and abilities in the Holy Ghost when I laid my hands on you. And don't forget this, your grandmother had faith, your mother had faith, and I can clearly see that that same faith is on the inside of you. Hallelujah. That same faith is on the inside of you. And that's the key, is that when you understand how impartation works, notice Paul did not take, um, how do I say it? Paul did not take uh, the credit, if you will, for the faith that was in Timothy. He said, you know, your grandmother had faith, your mother had faith, and now I see that faith was passed down to you. You know, it's interesting because people think Paul was Timothy's um, spiritual father because he led him to the Lord. But we actually don't have scriptural record of that. He was not uh, the one that led Timothy to the Lord. In fact, when they first met, um, the Bible says that Timothy was already a disciple. So Timothy was not led to Jesus by Paul, and that was not the reason that he was his spiritual father. Timothy was already a disciple. Most likely, what most scholars believe happened is that either his mother or his grandmother led him to the Lord at a young age. And so then he was raised up in that faith by the kingdom of God. You know, it's interesting. It's interesting to me that the Bible never speaks about Timothy's father that I've seen. Paul spoke of his grandmother and his mother. Isn't it interesting? Bible didn't speak of his father. Here's a man. We don't know. We don't know what happened. We really don't know what happened to him. I don't know if I've ever seen anything even in a commentary that talks about what happened to Timothy's father. But notice, God still had a plan. This should be encouraging to those, maybe you are a single mother. Maybe you are a single grandmother raising kids, raising grandkids. And you feel like, oh, I don't know how this is going to turn out. This should encourage you because here's someone, the Bible doesn't mention his father, just mentions his grandmother and his mother, but he still grew into a mighty man of God. And even through spiritual impartation and through spiritual father was able to do more than most other people in the kingdom of God. And the Bible says that he was the son. And I love this because if you watch how they work together, Paul would send him into locations and churches. And he said, I'm sending my son Timothy to you. Well, why, why could he trust him to do that? Why didn't Paul have to say, well, I actually need to be the one that goes because I'm the one that carries the power and the authority and the anointing and the impart. No, he said, I'm going to send my son Timothy to you and he's going to speak to you and he's going to be with you. You understand? Because Timothy had the impartation of his father, Paul, and could go and do what Paul did. 
because of that impartation, because of that power. Think about that. Hallelujah. Woo, glory to God. That stirs me up, man. Don't be discouraged. The best days are ahead of us. And we're looking at a generation. This is why I say, even if they didn't have fathers, there are still spiritual fathers that are available in the body of Christ. We can still raise up a generation in the things of God. That's why I'm saying, people think this is a natural problem. It's a spiritual problem. It's a spiritual problem. And it can only be solved with spiritual solutions. That's it. Spiritual solutions. You've got to be able to understand that any issue that stems in this nation, it doesn't have a natural root. It has a spiritual root. Everything either stems out of wickedness or out of righteousness. And we've got to be big enough to understand it's our job as believers to bring them into the kingdom. And when you transform a man from natural and dying into supernatural and living, old life has passed away and behold, all things become new. And, and, and we don't have to live in a generation of bastards. We can bring them into the kingdom of God and have them fathered by the power of the Holy Ghost, by spiritual fathers that are in the kingdom, just like Timothy did, just like Onesimus did, many others in the Bible. Joshua was spiritually mentored and fathered by Moses. Elisha, although Elisha had a natural father that was a wealthy landowner, it was not Elisha's calling to be a farmer or a landowner. It was his calling to be a prophet. And so he linked up with his spiritual father, Elijah. And I want you to hear it. And I want you to know it. That the power of God that's flowing. There's already somebody who's doing what you're called to do, but at a higher level. And it's our responsibility to seek out impartation. See, the only thing, and I'll finish with this before I pray for you. The only thing that keeps people back from receiving their impartation and from going further is a lack of humility. Pride. That's why the Bible says pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Why does the Bible say that? It says that because of the fact, catch this, because of the fact, if you're too proud to receive correction, if you're too proud to receive impartation, if you're too proud to have somebody give you new direction, then you'll continue the direction you're going and end in destruction. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. I refuse to fall. I refuse to be destroyed. In Jesus' name, I will not be destroyed. Amen. Hallelujah. I want you to write it. Put it in the comments. I will not be destroyed. I will flourish. I will not be destroyed. I will flourish. I will not be destroyed. I will flourish. Amen. I will not be destroyed. I will flourish by the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Whew. I'm going to tell you the best days are ahead. I feel since last year, I felt this. I played the... Um, the clip of the prophecy last night in the service, if you were watching, prophesied it in September of last year that God's draping his anointing over this nation again, giving us a new opportunity, new doors of opportunity, a space of grace to preach the gospel, open doors and opportunities, and that this is going to be a year of God's violent increase and expedited favor. And I'm telling you, it has been that. Even in the midst of quarantine, even in the midst of, of everything else, it has been that. But I'm telling you, we've not seen anything yet. For in the upcoming months, the last six and a half months of this year are going to blow the minds of natural men as we see what God's about to do in the body of Christ. Set your faith with me and get ready to see the power of the Holy Ghost move in your family, in your life, in your body, in your mind, in your business, in your finances, in relationships. Get ready. Everything is turning in our favor in the mighty name of Jesus. Everything is turning in our favor in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Now I want to pray because I know there's people that are watching me that maybe you are a single parent. Maybe you're somebody that was raised in that type of an environment. The devil's lied to you, made you feel like that you're not worthy of the goodness of God, or maybe tried to make you feel like 
you're unqualified or have been disqualified for doing what God's called you to do because of something in the past. I want to encourage you today, the devil is a liar. The devil's a liar. You will not be destroyed. You're not disqualified and you're not unqualified to be used by the mighty power of God. You're in the perfect position. If you're saved, if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you're in the perfect position to be used by God. And your best days are ahead and new impartations coming to you. You're receiving it even on these broadcasts, the impartation of the Holy Ghost through the word of God. So I want to pray for you because those of you that are watching, I want you to be encouraged. I want you to know your best days are not behind you. God's got a plan to use you in a mighty way before this year comes to an end and the best days are ahead. So I want you to bow your head with me and receive this prayer of faith that I'm getting ready to release to every one of you. God's going to touch us by his power. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray for every man and woman watching the broadcast or listening to the podcast. And I ask you now in Jesus' name that you would use us mightily in these final moments of time. I thank you, Lord, that everything the devil tried to use to take us out of our purpose and take us out of the kingdom of God. It is destroyed. It's thwarted by the power of the Holy Ghost. Today we stand in a place knowing by faith that we have more than enough. We have what it takes to be used by the kingdom of God. Lord, open up the doors for every man and woman. Use us mightily before Jesus comes back. We thank you, Lord, that doors are opening unto us and that this year will be the greatest we've ever seen. The last six and a half months will blow the minds of natural men. We thank you, Lord, that the blessings of heaven will overtake our lives and our children's and our homes, our children and our homes. Father, this is our time to flourish. This is our time to increase. This is our time to be effective in the kingdom of God. And we will not be destroyed. We will not be destroyed, but we will increase mightily in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. And if you believe it today, best days are ahead. You're in position for greatness. Throw some fire in the comments section and let me know you're standing with me and you agree. Come on. The victory tribe. That's why we call it that because we're part of the tribe of Judah. Every Christian is from the tribe of Judah. How do I know? We came into the tribe through the lion of the tribe of Judah. We came in through Jesus. And if we're from him, then we are in his tribe. Everybody in the New Testament is from the tribe of Judah. That's the tribe of victory. That's the tribe of praise. And let me tell you something. We are the victory tribe. We're the ones. If, if you didn't know this, we're the ones. If you look in the Old Testament, they would send the tribe of Judah first with the Ark of the Covenant. And when they would go into battle, the tribe of Judah would sing and praise God while the rest of the 11 tribes came behind them with weapons. But God would fight their battles for them. But notice this, in the New Testament, every one of us are in the tribe of Judah and we are the walking, talking Ark of the Covenant. We are filled with that power of God and we take it everywhere we go. We have praise on our lips and we have victory in our hearts and God's fighting our battles for us. We truly are the victory tribe. And so I want you to hear me today. Your best days are ahead of you. Don't ever be discouraged. Never be discouraged. Don't ever let anybody talk you into discouragement. You're a victory. You're a member of the victory tribe. You have the victory. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' mighty name. And I want to encourage those of you that are watching to sow a seed and stand with us. I mean, this is amazing. None of this was planned this week, what God was doing. None of this was planned. But God, God had a plan. God had a plan. Instead of being here for two days, the plan of God was to be here much longer. Now we're here seven days. And, you know, I'm, I'm open to whatever God's going to do. But he has a plan. And I thank God this is the first event like this in New York State since any kind of reopening. First extended revival. First revival since the opening of this state. And don't believe what you see in the mainstream media. Understand God has a plan to bless this nation. God's not judging this nation. God's not destroying this nation. He has a plan to bless this nation. And now we've seen people changed by the power of God. It's just going to continue. That's why I'm encouraging you. 
to partner with Carolyn and with me as we see God move around the world. The doors are already open to us. I'm telling you, the greatest doors ever in the history of our ministry are open now. God, and I'm getting ready to give you some testimonies very soon, but God has opened doors for us and blessed us. Even during the quarantine, huge doors open. We got blessed beyond measure. And I can't wait to show you and tell you. But I'm telling you, this is the best time to be alive. Stand with us. Believe with us. Partner with this ministry. All you have to do, go to miracleword.com. And right there on the website, you can click on the give page. And you can set up a monthly seed that you'd like to sow to stand with us. Everybody's at a different place. We've been having all kinds of people. This blows my mind. Not because I don't believe it, but because it's amazing to see people's faith. We've had person after person call and write in and say, I'm already partnering with you, but I feel by the Spirit to increase our level of partnership. And there's people that were at $50 a month and they've jumped to $85 a month. We've had people at $85 that have jumped to $100 a month. We've had people that were at $100, $200 that have jumped to $500. Some have jumped to $750 a month. I mean, by faith, and God's blessing them. What is it that the Lord would use you and call you to do today to stand with us? Because I understand this. Everybody is at their own level of faith. You have to be obedient where you are. I think of others that stood with us. $10, started at $5. Doesn't matter where you start, it's where you finish. And God's got a plan to bless you. You might, and, and, and let me give you a word here because I've had people say this to me. Don't ever let the devil make you feel like the seed that you sow at your level doesn't matter and don't be embarrassed of it. If what you can do at this moment is $5 a month, $10 a month, see, don't let the devil make you feel like, well, that's not really anything. You, don't, you, you should be embarrassed to do that. If it's where you're at, see, if it's where you're at, I remember Letty started with us at $10 a week. You do it, you start where you're at and then God blesses you. And now she's increased and increased and increased. God's blessed her business. She's, a, I mean, it's amazing. You start where you're at and God increases you. Obedience is the key to the blessing of the Lord. Obedience is the key. And for everybody that's standing with us in partnership in this month, we're gonna give you this awesome book by Dr. Bill Winston. It's a book called The Law of Confession. And that's it's powerful. I have it. Bill Winston, one of the most powerful faith teachers on the earth today. No question about that. Most powerful faith teachers on the earth today. I love his ministry. Love him. Pastors in Chicago. Powerful. And that book, The Law of Confession, will change your life. Shows you how your words carry death and life and breaks it down from the scripture on how to use your words proactively to accomplish your purpose in God. And they are weapons. Your words are weapons. And for everybody that's standing with us this month at $85 or more a month, we're going to send you that as a gift in this month of June. And then, of course, um, every person that's sewing largely, $1,000 or more, we're going to send you that book along with the hardcover, Further Faster. Hard, hardcover is a limited edition. We're not selling it. It's not available anywhere else. But got a hardcover dish, dust jacket. I've always wanted to have a hardcover available. Now we do. And we're going to sign it and send it to you as our way of saying thank you for standing with us and sewing largely. We appreciate it. You, If you're in the United States, you can use Cash App. You can use Venmo. Both of those, the username is MWGive. MW give. If you're using Cash App, if you're using Venmo, you can use PayPal if you'd like to. Our, our email address is info at miracleword.com on PayPal. But the easiest way, once again, is to go to miracleword.com and so there. We've got people that have been using the comments section on Facebook and Twitter and Periscope. You can always type in hashtag donate and so that way, right in the comments section. But once again, the easiest way, just go to the website. We have so many resources for you there. Carissa, send a raven. Send a raven. Unbelieve in God. But make sure you put a Big Mac in its mouth first. I'll be by the brook waiting for the raven with a Big Mac. <laughs>
Listen, extend it again here in New York. Two more nights. Tonight, tomorrow night, Thursday and Friday, 6.30 p.m. At noon, in about 12 minutes, you'll be allowed to register for tonight's service. And I'm telling you, if there's any way for you to get here, get here, man. Get here. God's moving. It's been powerful. I can't wait to see you. We're believing for miracles. Tomorrow night's the same time, 6.30. If there's no way you can get here, then we'll be available streaming online on Facebook Live tonight at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time. That's New York City time. And uh, I'm telling you, I cannot wait to see what God's going to do. It's going to be powerful. And thank you for hanging with us. I'll be back live again tomorrow morning, 10.30 a.m. right here, stirring up your faith. I love you. If you didn't get a chance to share the broadcast, take a minute to share it. I love you so much. And once again, if you've not done this yet... Go on the website, sign up to get the magazine. We're going to send it to you. This is probably the best issue we've ever released. I said that every time, but it just gets better and better. And uh, this will stir your faith in a massive way. Go grab your own copy. Appreciate you. If you've not gone over to YouTube to subscribe to our YouTube channel, do me a favor and subscribe today. Just search Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. on YouTube and subscribe. We have a free app in the App Store that you can get with 24-7 radio playing teaching and preaching for you. Won't cost you a dime. It's all free. Go into the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store and search Miracle Word and you can find it. It has everything inside the app. You can stay connected with us. I love you guys so much. Thanks for hanging. Thanks for staying with me today. I'll see you tonight at 6.30 and tomorrow morning at 10.30. Have a great day and I'll talk to you soon. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.